0: funny, people on the outside don't really get what's going on, but they always got something to say. <laughs> yeah. What's going on, folks? This is Daryl, your host of Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey Podcast, where we discuss issues that impact black and millennial communities while having a good drink. So per usual, I'm going to kick it off with the drink of the week. Today I have Il Duca Imperial it's a American cardinal red sweet red blend Um, if you've ever had Stella Rosa Stella Rosa I found out recently was started by two brothers they ended up splitting up and so the brother who did not retain the name of Stella Rosa grabbed this um, Imperial sweet red blend and try it out real quick Yeah, yeah, it's pretty solid. My boy Barry actually had been talking to me about it for a while, or talking about it to me for a while. And yesterday, Barry and Joy Brown got married. I was able to serve as a groomsman, um, deliver a toast. It was an amazing, amazing ceremony. I had a great time. Even in the midst of COVID, black love thrives and um, as their hashtag, said Brown Love Matters. So I had an amazing time there. But Barry told me to take a bottle of this home and actually have a couple more bottles that I'll be featuring throughout the season that he gifted me with after the ceremony. They, They had some leftover drinks, had a great time with them. And Barry had been telling me about this wine. He was like, yo, if you like Stella Rosa, try this. Which actually, I haven't had Stella Rosa on here yet, but I think later on this season, I'll go ahead and grab a bottle just to feature it or maybe they will send me a bottle of it but probably not after mentioning the competition's name so um yeah anyway congratulations to the Browns wishing you much success much love over your um long long marriage happy for you both and hope you're enjoying your honeymoon right now even though you'll be back when this episode drops today I would love to talk about black gun ownership in America and in order to talk about gun ownership in America which encompasses black gun ownership we must start with the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution I'll read it it's very simple one sentence and it reads a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. We're going to start there because that's the point of conversation for, or that that's the foundation of conversation for so many gun discussions that happen in the United States of America. Can we, as citizens of this country, allow the government to prevent our ability to own firearms? And today's topic is not about that, because personally, I wish we didn't need guns I wish we could trust our government enough not to have guns but at the end of the day that's why the amendment was placed into the constitution Um, second amendment makes it a part of the bill of rights and it's going to be pretty hard to get that out of um, our our and it's going to be pretty hard to get that out of our governmental structure so guns america black people that's what today is about title of today is i got your two a's africans in america right now black gun ownership is up in the united states of america with 58.2 percent of gun purchasers being black in 2020 58.2 percent we make up They say 13% of the United States. I don't know how true that is. It's been the same for the past, at least decade, but they're always talking about we're having a whole bunch of babies. Um, I don't know how we're still only 13% of the population. Anyway, the question is why? And while I haven't done exhaustive research on the matter, haven't taken my own surveys, um, I pulled from a bunch of sources, I have drawn some pretty logical conclusions as to why we are exercising our Second Amendment right with more intentionality than years in the past. First one I'm going to to go ahead and point out is that police, both historically and presently, have failed to protect black communities from crime, both external and internal. The historic culture of policing is to prevent crime while maintaining social norms. So-called crimes like loitering and vagrancy were more often than not charged to black offenders who made white people uncomfortable. Those crimes could land you in chains only years after privatized slavery was made illegal. Fast forward to today and we see poverty in the form of homelessness being criminalized and mental illnesses as a reason to extend prison sentences. As a matter of fact, last week on September 4th, Mother Jones published a piece on the lengthening of prison sentences due to mental health issues. These crimes are really not hurting anyone. There's nothing wrong with someone sleeping on a park bench. We cannot criminalize people because their opportunities didn't add up to what we would like them to add up to. If anything, the system should be held in contempt as opposed to the person who's forced to sleep on a park bench. But that's not what we're here to talk about today, later on this season, I think. That's point one. Police just aren't doing what we feel they need to. And the policing system, the law enforcement system, what they are required to do, the laws that are in place, all of those things add up to black people not feeling like law enforcement is on our side and therefore we must protect ourselves the best way we know how. And the best way that we have seen done by our fellow American citizens. Point two, the internet has opened our access to a wealth of knowledge on what we can and cannot do legally with firearms. As well as allowed us to expose a gross failure of the system to treat black people who exercise our second amendment right with the same fairness it treats white people. Let's just be honest. If a black man said, I felt uncomfortable with a white woman reaching into her purse after saying she feared for her life with me around and that brother shot the white woman, I am willing to bet the stand your ground law, though he might be able to establish that defense, probably wouldn't stand up in court. You and I both know that when it comes to perception, black people, even when we are justified, are often seen as the aggressor. We've been painted as violent, animalistic, and unlawful people. And that being said, it's very hard to prove or paint a picture of us following the law when the media paints it, paints us in a way that we are always breaking the law. As a matter of fact, our skin in and of itself is unlawful. So if I'm seen as an unlawful being, trying to invoke the spirit of a lawful piece of legislation is contradictory to American society and culture, which often supersedes the letter of the law when it comes to actual courtroom practices and convictions or acquittals. Thirdly, Trump's dog whistles, and more importantly, the support he receives in response to these dog whistles are indicators that we are not safe amongst our own countrymen. And I use the term countrymen very loosely indicative only of the place of birth and not truly being in fellowship with everyone because of the land upon which we were born. As a matter of fact, in July, he said that he plans to rescind an Obama era fair housing rule that was meant to work against housing discrimination, mainly because wealthy Americans, speaking namely to white Americans, worked very hard to get out of communities that housed black and brown people. I quote, you know, the suburbs, People fight all of their lives to get into the suburbs and have a beautiful home. There will be no more low income housing forced into the suburbs. It's been going on for years. I've seen conflict for years. It's been hell for suburbia. Now, that was a speech he gave in Midland, Texas in um, July. Donald Trump has emboldened white supremacy he has fed into segregation and he allows people to feel comfortable hating being around black and brown people that hatred and fear can and will turn to violence in the event that white people finally decide you know what we're tired of being around our fellow citizens so you know what we're gonna go back to burning crosses to keep them out of our communities burn a cross on my yard and um we're gonna have some serious problems see i live in the south my neighborhood though it's strongly black and brown is surrounded by homes that proudly display confederate flags and trump banners which in my eyes are synonymous with confederate flags i mean i i go on runs pretty frequently up and down the main road, and I cannot make it a quarter of a a mile in either direction on the main road without seeing a Confederate flag and or a Trump banner, sometimes both hanging from the same flagpole at the same house. A failure to come to grips with the fact that the neighbors who live outside of my subdivision might not bat an eye if a cross were burned on my front lawn is reason enough for me to educate myself on my right to bear arms." Social unrest and worldwide uprisings and riots after the murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and countless others have served as reminders that if we don't protect ourselves, no one will. At the end of the day, white people armed themselves with the support of the NRA and other organizations that were founded on reinforcing the second amendment. When black groups have tried to do the same, they have been met with direct opposition from the same groups that fight for the rights of whites to exercise the constitutional rights of all Americans. Namely, the Black Panthers in California. Look it up, check out. um, Matter of fact, search for Black Panthers California NRA. Just search Google for it, read up on it. The NRA directly worked to support legislation that limited gun rights for the first time in history because black people wanted to arm themselves. If that's not, blatant racism I don't know what is. Why? Because the Second Amendment was not written with black people in mind. As a matter of fact I am willing to bet that it was written in part so that any indication of a rebellion by we, the black people of the United States of America, could be put down succinctly and with all deliberate speed. But guess what? By being granted citizenship they couldn't legally keep us from purchasing firearms Without preventing themselves from doing it as well. So what did they do? Just as they painted neighborhoods as white only they made it seem like owning guns wasn't a black thing and if we do own guns they should be kept out of sight. As I said before I'm in North Carolina which is an open carry state. I cannot tell you the number of times I've seen a white man who is not an officer carrying a pistol on his hip but I'm willing to bet it's a weekly thing probably. At least as an adult, since I've been looking, paying attention, probably once a week I see it. You do not see many black people doing that because subconsciously we've been programmed to think that a black person with a gun is a threat. And because we think that of ourselves, we know white people think the same thing, but what they'll do is they'll call the police on us. We know that Philando Castile was letting an officer know that he was a lawful gun owner and still got murdered in front of his daughter for trying to show the officer his paperwork. Did the NRA say anything in his defense? Nope. We know that Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old boy, was shot for having a toy gun, but Dylan Roof was taken to Burger King after murdering nine black people and shooting one other in a Charleston church. We also know that in August, an armed 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse walked right beside police officers after shooting three people and killing two while Less than a week before, Jacob Blake was shot in the back seven times by members of the same law enforcement agency because officers thought he might be armed. If America isn't going to protect black people, black people feel that they must use their American right to protect themselves. Lastly, I believe black people are arming themselves at an increased rate because while it may be in our best interest politically to vote for Biden in November, If any kind of moratorium is placed on gun purchases, we may be left at greater risk than those who wish to do us harm. In order to proactively get ahead of the issue, we are legally purchasing firearms in self-defense. Simple as that. America, I wish we could trust you, but we cannot. Until America shows us that it values black lives and justice for lost black lives the same way it does white lives, I think every black person who legally purchases firearms is making the right decision for his or her household. Definitely get trained because it is a dangerous tool and owning one should not be taken lightly. But as many of our ancestors can tell you or could tell you if they were still alive, not owning one could be deadly. I don't believe in promoting fear, but instead leaning on logic and logic tells me that history always repeats itself. Being ill-prepared for that fact is unwise. Folks, be safe. If you do purchase a firearm, keep it safe, keep it locked up. You don't want it stolen or worse, picked up by a minor who could inflict harm on themselves or others. Take a class, train yourself, excuse me, take a class, get trained, train yourself, go to firing ranges, perfect your aim, protect your household but I don't advise us to take lightly the threat that white supremacy has become in recent years or open white supremacy has become in in recent years thanks to the rise of President Donald Trump it's a problem And it's one that I don't believe we can solve easily, but one that we can proactively protect ourselves against. Anyway, that's it for today. Peace, love, and blessings to everyone. Once again, shout out to the Brown family for um, this wonderful, wonderful gift of a a blended red. And I'll catch y'all again next week, same time, same place. Peace.